you have the best seat in the house, welcome to the front row of the Utah Jazz. I'm Holly Rowe, your host, and today, hi. Hey. We've got Jason Terry, one of the assistant coaches for the Utah Jazz, and I, I love having you on this staff because I look over there at you during games, in moments, and you're in it with the players and the way you're talking to them, and I feel the competitive fire in you. Um, how are you coaching, but you still have that fire that you had as a player? Yeah, and part of me playing as long as I did and then figuring out, okay, what do you want to do after? And it was about that fire and competitive spirit. Like, how do you get that? How do you keep that going? Well, yeah, you golf from time to time, but being in the fire, being close to the guys, being in the locker room, in practice, uh, in game, that's how I keep that competitive edge. And, you know, when they shoot a shot, I feel like part of me is shooting that shot. Or when they get a steal or when they have success out there, even when they fail out there, I feel it. And I think that's the part of coaching where you get your your greatest joy. It's obvious. I, I, I watch you and I'm like, oh, he's just – he loves this. He's so in it. You have a unique competitive spirit. I mean, it led you to playing over almost two decades in the NBA. You know, I think of you most closely associated with the Dallas Mavericks and that championship team. Um, where did the, this competitive piece come from that got you to the NBA? Well, I'm one of ten, and so it started at an early age. I'm the second oldest, but you always fought for attention. And when you have that many siblings, you have the sibling rivalries and whatnot, and you know, you always want to carve out your piece of attention. So it started early on, but you know, as you started to play competitively um, in sports, football, basketball, uh, as a youth, I mean, you want to win. And that's where the competitive nature comes from, is winning. You want to win at all costs and you'll play as hard as you can uh, to accomplish that goal. One of 10 children, can we have a moment for your mother? Hopefully. Oh, God bless you, woman. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like, Th that must have been a unique way to grow up. Um, you talk about being competitive, but how did you organize going to the sporting events and, and getting everybody where they had to be? Well, you, you had to learn that responsibility early because my mother worked um, for the city transit and she worked double shifts and she was really not really home a lot, uh, but she always found a way to get to those games. I mean, two strollers at a lot of times, like double diaper bags. Uh, she was always there. So seeing her there to give us that that encouragement and that support, knowing that she probably was tired on nights, hungry on nights when she had pulled double shifts, uh, it was all the inspiration that I needed. It's beautiful because you, you had such a great career. I want to talk about this one story because um, I was at the Hall of Fame induction mm -hmm. this year, and I, I, I got an award, but I was sitting in the stand when Dirk Nowitzki went into the Hall of Fame. And yeah. There were a lot of people there honoring him. You got to see all of that up close and personal. Mm -hmm. What what was that like, that team, the year you won the championship that was so special? Well, it, it was an emotional journey for us. Um, obviously, um, in 2005, 2006, um, that NBA Finals run we had and and literally had the championship in our in our grasp, and then Miami just snatched it away from us. Um, you know, and then five years later, getting back to that point, I mean, there was just so many emotions that went into, you know, that hard work, effort, you know, getting back, assembling a team of guys that were veterans, experienced, Hall of Famers, Jason Kidd, obviously, Tyson Chandler, Sean Marion, J.J. Uh, Barea, all those guys. I mean, it, it, it was a lot. It was a lot emotionally, but finally hoisting up that trophy and, and realizing our ultimate goal, it was just like a huge weight had been lifted off your shoulders, not only for us, but for the city of Dallas, who for years, you know, that's what they wanted. 
And uh, we finally were able to call ourselves champions and give a lot of credit to Dirk. I mean, Dirk took a lot of beating, um, you know, through the media. It wasn't, wasn't social media as much then, but in the local media, national media, there's like, he's a star player, but he's not an all-star, superstar, Hall of Fame caliber player until he wins a championship. He had won an MVP, but now he finally wins a championship. And so to see his legacy cemented, to see him go into the Hall of Fame amongst the greats, which we know he is, uh, was was sweet, sweet joy uh, being there for him in that moment. I promise we're getting to the jazz in a second, but I have one more question about that. So uh, by some weird coincidence, I get assigned to the first round playoff game with the Dallas Mavericks mm-hmm. and Portland Trailblazers. Oh, man. Um, and you guys are losing. And the, the narrative around the team was you can't get out of the first round lately. Right. And, and it was around Dirk can't get them to where they need to go. Right. And late in the game, you guys are down by 10 points, and Rick Carlisle calls a timeout. And I'm the sideline reporter, and I go over, and I'm kind of eavesdropping on the timeout. And I hear him say, decide right now. Mm-hmm. Decide right now. Are you the team that keeps losing in the first round? Yep. Or are you a championship team? Decide right now. What happened? Do you remember that moment? Oh, yeah. And how did the team decide right then? I mean, we, re- we literally, it was silent. He was the only voice. But if you could get in our brains, so to speak, all of us that were in the game, you could hear us talking to each other, and all we had to do was look. And it was like, nah, not this year, not this time. This is our time. And that kind of was our slogan throughout that playoff run was, our time is now. And so thinking about that and then thinking about each guy's journey to that point, knowing that we didn't have a lot of time left in our careers, like this was our window of opportunity, and we weren't going to let each other down. That's how closely uh, knit our bond was as a team, and I think that's kind of, you know, was symbolic, and it, and it – is what propelled us to get out of that series and go on and win it all. Yeah, I just love that memory, and mm-hmm. I got chills in that huddle because sure. that was the moment yep. that you guys decided and you won it all. It yep. was really cool. That that feeling is what the Jazz are trying to build. Mm-hmm. You know, that collection of guys that are trying to chase a championship, and this is young. Maybe they're on the early end of that spectrum, mm-hmm. but you get to see the development of these young guys. Um, Recent game against the Milwaukee Bucks, I thought Keontae George and Walker Kessler mm-hmm. took a huge step as far as deciding to be those kind of guys, particularly in the fourth quarter. How have you seen the young guys on this team grow? Well, it was funny you say that because immediately after the game, we have our debriefing. We're all in there as a staff. And I just, you know, I didn't think about the stat sheet or, we oh, we got the victory. To me, it was about the growth and development of our young guys, just like you spoke of. And you know, Keontae has some moments where we've been begging him to look at the rim. You know me, I'm a shooter. I'm, I constantly tell him, man, let it fly, shoot it. And uh, that game, he finally just looked at the rim and was like, I can shoot this? Yeah, you can shoot this. Like, you can make that shot. And to see that growth, was he took huge strides. And then to see Walker Kessler finish in the paint strong, like have a block, but then miss a free throw, but come back down and make two free throws. I think after the game, he was like, man, I was like eight for 10 from the line or something crazy. And, uh, you know, just seeing those guys have success. People forget, like, when you get drafted, what age these guys are. These guys are so young. Like, I was 19. I was a sophomore in college. Like, they're already in the NBA. Walker's in year two. Keontae's in year one. But they're so young, and they got so much more room to grow and develop. They're going to have failures along the way. But those little moments are moments that will define their growth. And uh, they had that last game. As the coaching staff, I would imagine it's a really tricky balance because 
Keontae loves basketball, and I know he wants to be great. So mm -hmm. he's taking in all this information. Coaches want me to do X, Y, Z. But you can't let those thoughts be the thoughts in the game. Mm -hmm. How hard is it for you guys to get these guys to be aware of what you've been working on? Mm -hmm. But in those moments, you can't think about it. You have to let it fly. Yeah, you, you, and you got to give them some grace, too, um, because I, I look at myself when I was a rookie and I put myself in Keontae. Uh, position. He's playing one of the toughest positions to play in professional sports, other than quarterback and football. Uh, being the general, the leader of a team, running an offense, a point guard is so hard to do. I mean, he's young. He's trying to lead men. He's also trying to still be the best version of himself, right? A dynamic scorer. And then he's competing against guys that he's idolized his whole life. Like, it's just hard emotionally. Uh, but last game, how I knew he was going to play well is he always sits by me during the game. So during one segment of a game, he was literally commentating, narrating every possession. Get the ball. Set the screen. Get, shoot it. Go. So then I knew he was fully engaged, and I knew he would play well. He's he's seeing the game, yes. living the game, even while he's sitting by you on the bench. Yes, yes. And that's how you know when a young player is starting to – get that confidence. He's starting to see it uh, before things happen. And I, I think he has so many good years of basketball left for him. And even this season, you're going to continue to see him grow, and he's going to have a big game. I mean, he's capable of putting up 30, 40 points in any given night. One of the best parts, I think, of the Jazz roster that they've assembled, these are some really good people and really nice guys. I feel yeah. like there's not a lot of drama with this group. Yeah. The bad part of this jazz roster is there's some really nice guys and there's not a lot of drama. <laughs> you know, like no, it's, the, it's both sure. sides. For sure. I thought the moment Colin Sexton brings this different oh, edge. Man. Like I, we were in a recent shoot around and he's like, no, I want to be on um, Mello. I want to be the guy guarding Mello. Right. And then at the tip off against Milwaukee, he's like boxing out Giannis yeah. and getting into it with Giannis from the tip off. Mm -hmm. um, what edge does Colin need and how does this group? thrive on it and feed off it because I do think we need it. Well, Colin's special for me because as my first year as an NBA assistant, I was assigned to his development in year one. And it was weird because I've never seen a guy work as hard as he does and as intense. And his workouts are wide ranging. Like you, you'll go in the weight room and any given day he's barefoot, he's doing calf raises. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you gotta get ready for practice. Or he's in there looking at the weights like, which weight do I want to lift? Or he's in here at 6 a.m. with his trainer shooting. Or night after a game, he's 2 a.m. in here getting shots up. Like, his work ethic, bar none, is probably the best I've ever been around. And so, with him, it was, like, how do I rein him back? Like, it's hard to put that in someone, that work ethic and that determination, but it's also hard to guard him against himself. And then I realized, just let him do him. And then you've seen him this year evolve and it's infectious, like his competitive fire, his drive, his ability to score and, and create offense for himself and for his teammates is, is pretty, pretty good at his size. Like he's fearless and it's something that every team needs. And I'm glad he's here to be able to, to show that to guys like Keontae. Like he has to see like there's a level of competitiveness that you have to bring every single night in Colin. He doesn't back down from anybody. I love that because you think of the example he is setting for the young players on the team. Mm -hmm. This is what everybody thinks they're working hard. No, no. This is what hard work looks for, like. For like, sure. Yeah. And uh, his development, his next stage for him is just working smarter. But I would not change the way he works. Like he has a dynamic body. 
Um, his mind for the game is astute. He's getting better uh, with learning situations and then reining in and controlling those emotions. I was a guy, too, that once played with great emotion. Uh, and to perform at the highest level, you have to know when to channel those emotions so it doesn't come off like in technical fouls or, or just bad decision-making plays. And uh, he's getting better at that. So you you also work with Kelly Olenek. I, I think Kelly Olenek is one of the most unique creatures in the NBA. Like, <laughs> you said it right there. Wait, unique creature. <laughs> yeah. like, And I say that with so much love yeah. and respect because he is – he does stuff on the court every night that yeah. you're like, wait, what? Um, how would you describe his game yeah. to somebody? Magic Bird. Little bit of Dirk. But, like, he has all those characteristics. Like, he can see the floor. He can. He got great ball handling. But he also can shoot with range. But his personality is infectious. Um, he's a guy, like, if you play pickup, you're like, uh, I think I'm going to go with him. Like, he's And the then guy. he waxes and and then he, like, you. And then right. he just destroys you. And, uh, like, there's no scout report for Kelly because you just don't know what he's going to do. His teammates don't know. I don't even think he knows at times what he's going to do. But he's a great guy, and you love him because his impact on the team, he's a, a stat um, stuffer. Like, when you look up, he has, like, eight rebounds, eight assists. He's unselfish. Like, he can score 20, but he'd rather have 10, like, and score and have 10 assists. And so his all-around game, his size, his ability to uh, impact the game in different ways is why he's so valuable. And, and he has experience, like his veteran experience. Uh, defensively, you would think, ah, oh, he's slow or he can't guard, but he's always in position. He's ready to take a charge, and he's another guy that doesn't back down. Yeah, he – we, we call him frequently on the broadcast a great facilitator. Mm -hmm. Is I feel like sometimes when the offense isn't flowing, oh, coach yeah. will put him in yep. and stuff gets right. Yep. It's fascinating. Point forward. Uh, it's, 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 it's his IQ for the game and his ability to see and make reads um, before things happen. And I've played with two guys in my career that have that same characteristic, and it's Jason Kidd and Rajon Rondo, just seeing plays before they develop. And it's a unique skill set. You um this this is a unique week. This is the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. I, I just think it's such a hard week in the NBA as a whole yeah. because maybe the Jazz do something, maybe they don't do anything. You know, they've got a lot of draft picks. How do you're the only coach on the mm -hmm. staff, I think, that has gone through this. How mm -hmm. do you try to coach guys this week and just be there for people? Well, myself and uh, Dr. Ron Kimmins, who, who's our mental uh, coach, our psych co coach and um, performance coach. I'm sorry. Um, he he and I talked yesterday about the trade deadline and mentally how to coach it and how to teach it and it's something that is there. Like it's not you can't just go through the season and be like, ah, oh, well, it's the trade deadline. No, these guys are impacted by it. These guys have lives. They see social media. They 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 see the newspaper. Like they know it's it's a real thing. And I just think for guys, they have to shift their mindset as if, hey. I'm here for this team, learning this system, and I'm going to do all I can to be the best version of myself, whether it's here or somewhere else. You can't control whether a team trades for you or not, but what you do know is if somebody trades for you, then you know you're wanted and you're valued. But do the best you can while you're here. Live in the moment and uh, control the controllables. Like, you can't control whether a team trades for you or not. And I had one experience in my career where I was a young player, probably was in year six, I really wasn't playing that well. We're in Toronto on a trip, and I got a text message from Avery Johnson. He's like, come to my room. 
I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting traded. It was like three days before the deadline and it's like, yo, I know I'm getting traded. So I go, I bring my playbook, like I'm ready to hand on the thing, knock on the door, he opens the door, he's like, what's going on, Jet? I see, I mean, am I getting traded? Man, get your butt in here, man. I just want to show you the clips from last game. Boy, you're doing good. I'm not trading you. You'll know when I'm going to trade you. And I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, my God. I almost died for like three minutes. That's a pretty good Avery Johnson, by the way. <laughs> no, I <laughs> You sounded just like That is my mentor. He's he's a wonderful man. Yep. Um, you've had such a variety career. We could go longer, but I know you, we got to get you out to shoot around. Mm -hmm. Last thing I wanted to talk to you is just um, th this is a new coaching staff. You know, mm -hmm. Will has taken over. There's a lot of new people, a lot of new personalities. It kind of feels like it's gelled this season. Mm -hmm. how, how have you settled in and kind of what impact do you feel like you're having for the Jazz this year? Well, um, Will has done a great job of empowering us as a staff and giving us certain roles and responsibilities, but not limiting that. And he wants your voice to be heard. And I think uh, for young assistants and guys in my position that have been a former player is I never – I lean on my experiences – but I don't force it on the guys because it's their journey. Like I can show you how I shoot, but I don't know how you shoot. It's like two different things, but I can tell you like my routine. And if part of my routine works for you, then it, then it works. And I think he's given us that freedom to kind of design guys development plans, how we feel fit. And then also our coaching styles, his, his, his favorite model is be you like be you. That's why we brought you here. Don't try to be something you're not be you. And uh, that's how, you know, our impact is felt. That's why we see you on the bench, you know, oh. competitive with the guys and, and, and you are being you because you are a great player yep. and you are now a great addition to the Utah Jazz. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Let's get you out to shoot around, but we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Appreciate you. The Jets.